Judges chapter uh, 8 tonight, I want to just uh, do, look at several verses here that we've seen in the past, and then we'll go ahead and look uh, at chapter 12, which is our focus for tonight. I want to begin, uh, everybody look up here please, I ask you a quick question. Uh, did pride ever get you in trouble? Uh, did jealousy ever get you in trouble? Did a prideful jealousy ever get you in trouble? You ever, did you ever feel left, kind of pridefully left out? Why didn't they involve me in this or that? Uh, I dare say we all have, and maybe that kind of prideful jealousy, because that's what it is, uh, led us to say something or do something that was unkind, ungodly, sinful. Uh, maybe we got ourselves in trouble. Uh, we see here in Judges that the, the tribe of Ephraim, the men of Ephraim, uh, their prideful jealousy got them in, in uh, well, threatened them to get uh, with a little bit of trouble here in chapter 8. And uh, in chapter 12, which we'll see tonight, uh, they obviously hadn't dealt with that yet. Uh, and so they, they get into real trouble. But I want you to see the first instance of this here in chapter 8, uh, here beginning in verse 1. So we're Judges chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says, now, let me say a couple more things, sorry. Uh, this is uh, just after uh, Gideon. Uh, Gideon has led a military campaign uh, and secured a victory, with God's help, of course, um, over the Midianites. And you remember just after that, the tribe of Ephraim comes to him and says, hey, why, why didn't you involve us more? Why didn't you involve us earlier? Why didn't you give us a bigger role? Uh, they're, quite, they're quite angry about that, this prideful jealousy. Uh, are, why, would they be, why would they be feeling that way? Why, why would pride lead them there? Um, I, I rather suspect they wanted to be able to be seen as ha, uh, being able to take more credit for the victory. Uh, you know, if they had been involved earlier in a bigger way, uh, they'd go around saying, oh, look what we did. Look, look at the victory we secured. Now, we know it was God who gave that victory, but uh, they pridefully want more credit uh, than, than is due them. You see that here in, in chapter 8 and verse 1. By the way, we struggle with that too, so let's not look down our noses too much. Chapter 8, verse 1, uh, here it is. The men of Ephraim said unto him, um, Gideon, why hast thou served us thus? Why did you treat us this way, Mr. Gideon? That thou callest us not when thou wantest to fight with the Midianites. Uh, and they did chide with him sharply. And Gary, we understand that, right? That's our 1611 language. Uh, you know, they, they just, they were bitter. They fought with him sharply. They argued. They, they just couldn't control their tongues. Verse 2, he, Gideon, says unto them, he answers them, and he says, What have I done now in comparison of you? What have I really done to you? Uh, stop and consider this. He says, is not, and he uses this kind of poetic question here, is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage uh, of Abiezer? And basically what he's saying there is, hey, you had a chance to kind of come in after the fact and do the, the mop, mopping up operation. Sure enough, the, the victory was pretty much won. But you had an important part in coming in and kind of taking care of any last little pockets of resistance, and, uh, and that was important. Uh, verse 3 says, God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian. Remember these two guys, Oreb and Zeb. Uh, and he says, and what was I able to do in comparison of you? What did I really accomplish in comparison to what you did? Uh, you guys actually did have a big role. The Bible says here at the end of verse 3, then their anger was abated toward him. Uh, when he had said that. So, you know, they came looking for trouble. They came picking a fight. They're all prideful. Why don't you give us a bigger role? Uh, they're looking for a fight. They're looking for a fight. Now, there's pride, 
And Gary, I was thinking about this this week too. Why, why, why would there maybe have been tension between these two tribes? Uh, well, think back to the, the founder, if you will, or the namesake of these two tribes. It's Ephraim, right? And, um, and Gideon uh, was of the tribe of Manasseh. We know that. Now, what's the relationship between uh, the, the two men who gave their name to those two tribes? Do they have a relationship? Do you remember? Who, who was their dad? Do you remember? Well, it was Joseph. So th these were kind of like sibling tribes, right? So our, I think there might have been a little bit of sibling rivalry here uh, that kind of survived or, or was passed down through the generations. Also, remember that when it came time for Jacob to bless uh, one of these two sons, uh, which one did he bless? Do you, do you remember which one he blessed? Do you remember? It was Ephraim, right, the, the younger. And so there might have been a pridefulness about that, too. Uh, there, there might have been a pridefulness that they just kind of passed down from uh, generation to generation as a result of, of that blessing. And what's clear, regardless of the source or the root cause, what's clear is that the men of Ephraim, they're struggling with pride. It's leading them uh, to be angry and, and jealous and, and, and to try to get uh, more credit for things than they deserve. And we'll see that again. They've not yet dealt with this problem. And so we see this again uh, tonight in verse 12. So I want us to see um, where this kind of spiritual problem can take someone uh, if they don't deal with it. We're going to talk tonight about how we can deal with that. But uh, we saw back in chapter 8, you know, a, a pretty good picture of that pride, a uh, pretty good picture of, of how that pride affected them. Tonight we're going to see that it's taken them uh, even to a worse place. And, and Gary, the outcome of them having not dealt with their pride is, is going to have really serious practical consequences for them. So uh, let's see that tonight, and then we'll talk about the biblical solution Lord has given us for, uh, this is a natural tendency, right? It's a natural tendency to be prideful, to want to get credit for stuff, uh, to be jealous when you don't have that opportunity or not. I mean, it's, it's something that we can relate to because we're, we're made out of the same stuff. We have the same sin nature, uh, and so we, we can't understand this. Um, so we're here uh, now in Judges chapter 12, Judges chapter 12. Bible says this, and the men of Ephraim, so, sorry, I should have given you just one or two more sentences. Um, Jephthah has just had a victory, right? Jephthah uh, has just had a victory. Uh, we saw that last chapter, last Wednesday night, and uh, they're back again with kind of the same issue. Why didn't you involve us the way we wanted to be involved? Uh, why? So, well, so we could take more credit for it. S same kind of issue. Uh, they, they had not been involved the way they desired, uh, they claim at least, in the defeat of Ammon, and so they're back with the same issue. Now let's look at chapter 12 and verse 1. The men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passeth thou over to fight against the children of Ammon, and didst not call us to go with thee? Why didn't you take us with you, man? Uh, and see what they say next, Brother R. It's, it's, it's pretty surprising, I think. Uh, these, are, these are tribes in, in the nation. Uh, you know, they're, they're brothers in the Lord, if you will, but they're pretty fired up now uh, at Jeph Jephthah, uh, who's of the Gileadites, who are of the tribe of Manasseh. They say to him in their prideful, jealous anger, what do they say at the end of verse 1? We will, what? 
burn thine house upon thee with what? Well, that's, what, that's how you burn, right? Use fire. They're so angry at him uh, for what they claim is not having been invited to go along for the battle that they're going to burn down his house, Gary. They're, they've allowed their prideful jealousy uh, to, to get from where they were in chapter 8 uh, now to, hey, we're going to burn your house down, man. This is not okay with us. Um, and uh, Art, I don't know if it's just a threat. I think they meant it. I, I think they meant it. Well, we see um, Jephthah's response in verse 2. He basically says, you know what? You guys were invited to come, and you didn't come. So I don't know what your grievance is. Um, he says, I invited you. You failed to help. But you know what? The Lord gave us victory, so let's just call it a day. That's what he says to them in verse 2. Verse 2 says this, Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon, and when I called you, ye, all of you and none of you, ye delivered me not out of their hands. You didn't, you didn't come. We reached out to you. We asked for your help. That's implied here. But you didn't do anything. Verse 3, and when I saw that ye delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into mine hand. Praise God for uh, Jephthah's uh, heart to give God credit for the victory. He knew, Gary, that God gave the, the victory, and so he gives God credit here. He says, wherefore then are ye, why, why then are ye come up unto me this day to fight against me? And it's pretty evident that they had amassed a pretty large army to come up against uh, Jephthah and the Gileadites uh, who were of the tribe of Massa. They, they, were con they came uh, ready for a fight. They, they, they came ready. They picked a fight. Uh, they're ready to do battle against this uh, brother tribe, if you will. Now, um, Jephthah's been threatened with... Uh, real harm, his house burned down, and I think worse has been implied by that. Uh, verse 4 says this, Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead, uh, again, part of the tribe of Manasseh, and fought with Ephraim, uh, and the men of Gilead, what did they do? What does it say they did, Zach? Verse 4, end of verse 4? They smote Ephraim. You know, what, what did they do? They, they, they saw these, this, this army coming, and uh, here they are threatening him, and, you know, I suppose, you, Gary, you could argue this might have been a time for, you know, trying to see if we could negotiate a settlement or something like that, but uh, on the other hand, it might have been time for the men of Ephraim, these Ephraimites, to, to learn a lesson, uh, and, and so Jephthah gathers up uh, the Gileadites, and, and, and they go after them. He's going to threaten us. We're going to have to defend ourselves. I, I can't necessarily fault them for that. Uh, a threat is a violent act. He, they were threatened with violence, uh, and so they defend themselves similarly. They defend themselves. Um, why were the Gileadites willing to join Jephthah in this battle against uh, a fellow tribe of the nation? Well, you see the answer in the next part of verse 4. It says this, because they, the Ephraimites, said, ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim, among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. Um, you know, they're, whether or not you understand that completely, they're, they're bad-mouthing them. They're saying, you, know, you guys are, are fugitives. You're, you're like gypsies or outcasts or, or something like that. And why, why is he saying that? Well, 
You remember the tribe of Manasseh was split into two halves, right, Gary? Uh, half stayed on one side of the Jordan, half went on the other side. So you had a half, you had a half on each side. Um, and the, the Gileadites, there, uh, I'm sorry, the Ephraimites taunted the Gileadites. They said, you know what, you guys are, are really not even part of the nation. You're like outcasts. You're, you're not even on the, the right side of the Jordan. You're over there on the other side. You're, you're like outcasts. You're really not even, you know, part of us at all. Uh, are, were they right about that? Uh, they weren't right about that at all. You remember back in Numbers, uh, the Lord working through, uh, uh, well, Joshua, uh, but Moses and Joshua both actually uh, allowed the tribes of, of Gad and, and one other one, what was it, Zach, was it Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh to stay on the, the east side of the Jordan, and it was that was, God permitted that. He got a, carved out territory for them on that side. So it's not like they're outcast from the nation because they're in this place. It was their desire to be there, and the Lord permitted them to be there, but they were still considered part of the nation. So uh, this, this taunt, you, you guys are outcasts, um, it was really not a valid thing. I mean, it's wrong to taunt them, but what they're saying didn't even make sense. Uh, didn't make sense. Stop and, and just consider one thing here. Um, why, why is it that the Ephraimites are looking down on the Gileadites who are part of Manasseh? Why is it? I mean, Gary, I, I think what they said is what was in their hearts. You know what? We're part of the in-group, the Ephraimites, on, on the other side of the Jordan with most of the people. But you guys are, you're the out-group. <laughs> you're the out-group on the other side uh, of the Jordan. You have this like in-group, out-group thing still going on today, right, in the world. You got, you got one group of people that says, hey, we're part of this group. You're not part of us, therefore you're inferior. And, and those lines and those boundaries and, uh, and are, are cast all, all different sorts of ways, right? Uh, it, it could be uh, by color. It could be by class. It could be by whatever it is, where you live. I live here. You live there. Uh, there there's still this in-group, out-group thing happening in all different ways today. And, and it seems to be just part of our sin nature. We, we need to be aware of that. We, we pridefully want to build ourselves up because we're part of our group uh, and you're not. Uh, we pridefully build ourselves up. We kind of put ourselves up on the throne by saying, uh, look at me, I'm, I'm part of the in-group, but I'm looking down at you. Uh, I build myself up by putting others down. Uh, in reality, we really don't build ourselves up. We just kind of push other people down and we feel like we built ourselves up that way. So... This is, um, this is uh, no doubt part of our sin nature that's rooted in the, in the pride. Uh, you remember back in, um, in the 1990s, brother, I think it was in uh, Rwanda, there were two tribes that went to battle, modern people, but they went to battle with each other. And I always mispronounce their names, but was it the Hutus and the Tutsis or something like that? Gary, you must have, you must have wrote no, news stories or read news stories or both about Hutus or Hutsis and Tutsis or something like that. The Hutus and, and, and the Tutsis. And they went after each other with machetes. And just in a very short period of time, they killed tens of thousands of, of people in, in their various tribes. And it, it was all about my tribe is better than your tribe, uh, as you may recall. And, and it was all, the, the, the tribal identity was based on, they were all black, um, but one group believed that they were lighter skinned than the other, and therefore they were better than the other group. 
Uh, and that was the basis for going to war with each other. Now there was politics and stuff like that, but the, the basis for their tribal difference was this, per, this misperception that one was lighter skinned than the other. The truth is they couldn't tell each other apart uh, except by their tribal RD, ID cards. No one could tell them apart, but it was, so it was just kind of a made up thing. But this in-group, out-group, I'm better than you because I'm part of my group resulted in you know, tens of thousands of deaths in Rwanda back in the, in the 1990s. And before we're done here tonight, we're gonna see a similar kind of thing happening here. This is not a new problem. It's an old problem and it's, it's rooted in our, our prideful uh, tendencies uh, in the old nature. Praise God in Christ, we, we can overcome this. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. I'm very, very thankful uh, for that. So we see here what's, what's happening. Um, look here now, um, we're going to pick it up. Oh, I want you to see this in, in verse 4. Second part of verse 4, see this. Because the Ephraimites said, ye Gileadites are fugitives. I want you to underline that word fugitive. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Uh, they're, they're calling the Gileadites, the Ephraimites are calling the Gileadites fugitives or outcasts or renegades or, or something like that. It's translated fugitives here. Okay, so... The Ephraimites, they get basically defeated. They get trampled uh, in battle by Jephthah and the Gileadites. And almost as soon as they've called the Gileadites fugitives and, and, uh, and, and runaways, they find themselves fugitives from the Gileadites in Manasseh and trying to get back over the river, back, back to safety. Uh, however, the Gileadites take up positions along the river, uh, the fords of the Jordan, the shallow places, and their intention is to, is to try to intercept any Ephraimites coming back over the river so that they can deal with these guys once and for all. Uh, they, they take up these defensive positions, but the intention is as the Ephraimites flee back over the river in those few shallow places, they're going to get them. They're, they're going to slay them so they don't have to worry about these guys coming back and threatening them again. And, you know, you say what you will, but from their perspective, that, that was a wise thing given the, the, the unjust threats that they had made. Gary, here's the problem. Uh, just like the, the, the Hootsies and the Tootsies, which is how I'm going to say it because that's how I can say it, um, the, the Gileadites couldn't identify the Ephraimites. They were all people from the same place. They were all Israelites. They had similar ethnic, they had the same ethnic background. Uh, they had family differences and, and tribal differences, but um, they, they were basically the same people. So they weren't gonna be able to easily identify the Ephraimites as they approached the Jordan to escape across the river and, and get back home. Well, the Gileadites, Maryland, knew that the Ephraimites on the other side of the river, there were some differences. Um, they spoke a little bit differently. The people over there on the other side of the river, they had a little bit different accent. Kind of like we, we live here in Connecticut on one side of the Long Island Sound, but you know, those strange people on the other side of Long Island Sound, in Long Island, Mrs. Hammond, they talk really differently, right? And you could tell where someone's from based on their accent, right? My accent's so confused, Gary, nobody knows where I'm from. Nobody could tell where I'm from. But um, so the, the, the Gileadites know that the Ephraimites speak a little differently 
And there's one particular sound that they can't say. It's the SH sound, it's the SH sound. They can't say it. Uh, the way they speak Hebrew in uh, Ephraim, they just, they just didn't have that sound. They, they only could go SS like a snake instead of SH like hush up. They just they didn't have that sound uh, how they spoke. So as men approached the river to cross over, the way they would identify the bad guys, if you will, is they would ask them to say a word that begins with shh. And if they could only say shh, they would know it was an Ephraimite and they would slay that guy. That's how they would tell the difference. And, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's a pretty smart thing. They, they figured out this was a way to tell the good guys from the bad guys. Uh, and so that's exactly what they did. So see this, please, in verse 5. The Bible says in verse 5, the Gileadites took the passages, uh, this is the fords or the shallow places along the river Jordan, uh, of Jordan before the Ephraimites. And it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto them, art thou an Ephraimite? Are, are you one of the guys that came after us? Because if you are, uh, we're going to slay you. Of course, they're going to say no. The Bible says, if he said uh, nay, then they, the Gileadites, said unto him, the man in question, say now, what is it? Shibboleth. Shibboleth. Can you say it? Try it. Shibboleth. You're speaking Hebrew now, uh, if you're saying that. This is a Hebrew word that means... Uh, flood or flowing stream. And basically, they're saying, hey, you're here at the Jordan trying to get across the Jordan. Uh, say, say flowing stream or flowing river, something like that. Shibboleth is the Hebrew word. It's a transliteration of the Hebrew word straight into English. So if you can say that, you can speak Hebrew, Gary. Uh, shibboleth. They say it. Can you, can you say shibboleth? Uh, and he said, uh, verse 6, sibboleth. Well, if he said sibboleth, that's different. It's not shibboleth. Because Sibboleth uh, means ear of corn. And Gary, that's different from flowing water or flood, okay? I'm looking at art and saying Gary. I wonder why, brothers. By the way, there's no sibling rivalry between you guys, is there? It's not like a Manasseh, Ephraim kind of thing with you guys. You're on the separate sides of the church. Maybe there is. I got to pick on you. Marilyn, I got to pick on them because I love them both. I love them both. <laughs> so this was the test. Uh, this was the test. Um, say Shibboleth. If the man could say Shibboleth, they'd know that he was a Gileadite or you know, from another part of the tribe of Manasseh. He was okay. Not a bad guy that came to give us grief, uh, came to burn down our houses. But if he said Shibboleth, that meant he was definitely an Ephraimite because that's how they spoke. And that's just the test, and, and it worked. Uh, and it worked. Uh, last part of verse 6, or close to the middle part of verse 6, I guess, says, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Uh, the, the Ephraimites couldn't pronounce it right. Uh, then they, they took him, if he said Sibboleth instead of Shibboleth, they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan, those shallow places along the edge of the river, and there fell at that time, and this is not a good thing, this is not a good thing, there fell at that time of the Ephraimites, uh, how many, Zach, what does it say there? End of verse 6. 40 and 2,000. You know, that, that, that does not mean 2,040. It means 42,000. 42,000 men fell um, uh, in this situation. That's probably the total number of men 
that fell as Ephraim and the Gileadites of Manasseh battled and, and then met here at the, the place along the river. Uh, or, or it could be that this many fell right there in the fords along the Jordan and, and more died elsewhere. But in any event, uh, 42,000 men died. Uh, what led to that? Well, back up and just ask yourself, first of all, Art, did that have to happen? This did not have to happen. This did not have to None of this needed to happen, not, not a bit of it. What could the Ephraimites have done uh, back in time to have avoided any of this? Do you have any thoughts? Um, by the way, I, I believe or I assume that Jephthah's assertion that they had been asked to take part in the battle, uh, that that's true. Uh, they could have avoided all of this by you know, answering the call and going and doing their part against the enemies that had come against the nation. They could have done that. Uh, evidently, they did not. Um, they could have, uh, having not joined in the battle uh, with Jephthah um, in the last chapter, um, they could have just said, well, you know, we chose not to do that, but praise God that we've been delivered from Ammon God deliver us from Ammon, even without our help. Uh, praise God for that. Let's just go and thank Jephthah and, and those who fought uh, for protecting us. You know, we didn't do our part in that battle against Amnon, but others did. And praise God, and, and, and let's go and thank people. They could have just humbled themselves, Art, and expressed gratitude. Uh, but I think what's happening here is they feel guilty that they didn't do their part, and so they concoct the story that they weren't invited and uh, they, they pridefully come against uh, Jephthah and the Gileadites and uh, just to try to uh, try to get the attention off the fact that they actually didn't do what they should have done. Um, I think Gary there's probably a lot of times where people try to deflect attention from failures by by picking a fight with someone you know we we do something wrong, and rather than just fessing up to that, uh, we pick a fight with them to distract attention away from the fact that we did something wrong. Uh, no doubt uh, Ephraim is guilty of that right here. And, and no doubt all of this, no doubt all of this is, it just flows right out of the pride that we see back in chapter 8, uh, back in chapter 8. Um, so we'll stop there for a moment, and, and I'll ask you a question. Um, do we ever struggle with pride? We do, right? We struggle with pride. Uh, we struggle with jealousy. That guy got more credit for this success than I did, and maybe I should have, or maybe I shouldn't, but I want more credit. Uh, we're jealous of what other people have uh, because, you know, I, I'm a good person. I'm a smart person. I, I work hard. I, I do what I'm supposed to do. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. Uh, you know, why don't I have more? Or why don't I get more credit for this or, or for that? Whatever it is, um, it's, it's a prideful jealousy that, has, that is at the root um, of that heart. Now, isn't that sin, Brother Art? Isn't that sin? The Bible pretty clearly makes pride, uh, labels pride as sinful, right? Uh, you probably could give us a number of verses. Listen, one man says this. He says, all strife among believers begins 
with self-seeking and vainglory. The remedy is in lowliness of mind, let each other, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, his answer sounds like scripture, doesn't it? Uh, His answer sounds like scripture. Rather than, you know, trying to build yourself up, rather than seeking glory for yourself, uh, rather than, um, you know, picking on people when you don't feel like you're getting that to distract attention for whatever, uh, rather than angrily going after people who you don't feel have given you the glory that you deserve, whatever it is, however that pride is manifesting itself, uh, the answer is to humble yourself um, as Christ did. Turn over, please, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, go over there, please. Philippians chapter 2 is uh, it's familiar. Uh, you know these verses. You're familiar with them. In fact, we, uh, we studied through this not that long ago. Um, Philippians chapter 2. I want to look at several verses here, beginning in verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Here the Bible says, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Paul writes, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. Don't serve the Lord to get attention or to get credit. Uh, Don't fight for position within the church to be able to get credit for some public or visible accomplishment. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each, let everyone, every member of the church, esteem or regard other, others, better than themselves. Don't go around, Bible says, don't go around trying to make yourself, trying to puff yourself up or build yourself up by putting others down. You know what? Do the exact opposite of that. Uh, go around with a lowliness of mind, a humbleness, esteeming or viewing everyone else in the church as better than you and more worthy of recognition uh, than you are. Uh, The Lord says through Paul, do the exact opposite of what comes natural. Instead of putting each other down, trying to get glory, don't do that. Go around and put yourself down. (laughs) Not exactly, but you know what I mean. Uh, Treat everyone else as better than you rather than lesser than you. Verse 4 says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It doesn't mean go around being a busybody, uh, poking your nose into everyone's business, uh, but it does mean, um, you know, give some priority to other people. If you see needs, meet a need. Um, If you see an opportunity to boost someone up, do that. If you see someone who needs to be encouraged, do that. Uh, Go and encourage them. Uh, And don't make that an opportunity or an occasion for you to get some uh, public glory uh, or to build yourself up. Don't don't, don't take that as an occasion to say, oh, look what I did for Gary. 
uh, you know, Gary was really down and struggling, and man, I, I built him up. I, I took him right from the brink to the, the top of the mountain. Look at me. No, <laughs> no, you just keep that to yourself, right? Your, your brother would be thankful that, that you encouraged him. No one else needs to know that necessarily. Uh, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5 says, let this mind be you, which was also in Christ, and now I'm not there. So I need to go there and, and pick that up. Uh, forgive me. Verse 5, right? Let this mind be in you, all of you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he did what? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, uh, even the death of the cross." Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Zachary, when Jesus came as a man, he was also what? God, and yet he humbled himself and allowed himself to be treated as cruelly as anyone has ever been treated, mocked and scorned and scourged uh, and hanged upon a cross and, and killed uh, and killed violently and, and, and terribly. He was God the Son, the Son of God and, and God the Son, and yet he humbled himself to be obedient to the will of the Father for obviously our great spiritual uh, eternal benefit. Uh, that example is the example that um, is the answer to the pridefulness of the Ephraimites and the tendency that you know, is, is baked into our sin nature as well. Um, now, our, you look at that and say, well, I understand that's, that's Christ's example. Christ's example of humility, what he did is the opposite of what the Ephraimites did. He laid down his life, uh, he humbled himself rather than exalting himself and saying, hey, you can't do this to me, I'm God the Son. Uh, you could say, well, I understand that that's an example of what to do versus what the Ephraimites did, but um, we have to keep in mind that Christ's not just the example of what to do, he's the way that we can do that, right? Uh, I understand that apart from Christ working in me, uh, I would probably be nothing but a really prideful, all the time, really angry person, putting others down and, 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 and trying to build myself up. I understand maybe not all the time, but there would be that tendency. There would be that tendency uh, because of our sin nature. Christ gave an example of just the opposite, but uh, having done that, uh, he made a way for us to be saved for us to be made new creatures, right? Uh, we're indwelt now by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we now have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring forth those fruits uh, in our lives. 
which are things that are just the exact opposite of our sin nature. So I praise God tonight, Gary, that we have a Savior who's not only saved us from the consequence of sin, including pridefulness and all the practical ways that rears its ugly head in our lives, but he enables us, he enables us when we come to him to be humble and loving and to look for opportunities to encourage others to bring them up rather than puffing ourselves up by putting others down. Now, I don't know about you, but Jana, I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big deal because here in, in our passage tonight, you see some pretty serious consequences of the tendency to, uh, toward pridefulness left unchecked. unchecked. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, 42,000 people died. And, and I realize in, in our lives today that our, our pride probably isn't going to kill 42,000 people. It's, I realize it's not exactly the same. But boy, if, if we don't get control of the sinfulness of pride and, and get serious about confessing that and asking the Lord to help us overcome it and, and to be humble and to act humbly and lovingly toward others, you know, there's, there's untold scores or hundreds or maybe even thousands of people who could suffer, uh, not death, but, but, but suffer spiritually, emotionally, um, you know, sometimes even physically uh, because of our pride and the place pride can take us. So it, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. I'm going to stop there tonight um, and pray. And uh, let's just ask God to show us if there's uh, parts of our life where we're still struggling with pride uh, and ask him to help us confess uh, any prideful tendencies and to help us to put that off and to put on a, a, a wonderfully humble, Christ-honoring humility in its place. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you uh, tonight for your word. Lord, it's, it's, um, it's hard to see the consequences of pride and, and the things that flow out of pride, jealousy and violence and uh, taunting people and picking fights and uh, putting others down to build ourselves up. Lord, it's, it's hard to see how that pridefulness um, resulted in such a horrible outcome in Judges chapter 12. Lord, tonight I know that, well, it's different today perhaps in our lives. A pride unchecked can still be very harmful in our own lives. Lord, we say and do things to others that reflect anything other than a loving humility. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that you would deal with us. If we're struggling with pride and, and habits that flow out of pride, wrong thoughts, wrong speech, wrong actions, whatever it is, Father, I pray that you'd help us to confess that tonight. And Lord, yield ourselves to you. Father, ask tonight simply that you would help us to put off pridefulness and all the things that go along with it and to put on a Christ-like humility, put others before ourselves. 
Lord, help us to be serious about this issue and the consequences in our life. I'll give you a moment to pray.